Z, please tell me you use shampoo. <laughs> oh no, Z uses four and one. <laughs> oh no. Bridges, you can go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat. I'm not gonna expo expose nobody, but some people don't use shampoo. Some people were being using soap, bruh. And some people were using two, three, or four in one. Dude, four, three in <laughs> one, you're done, bro. Like, get out of here. I'm not gonna say who, but somebody said they use four in one. They use shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and toothpaste. Ain't, ain't no way, bro. Ain't no <laughs> shampoo, way. Shampoo, body wash, conditioner, and toothpaste. That's so All bad. All in one bottle. Oh, no. You got to do what you got to do. Balling on a budge. Am I right? All right, guys. If you want to go ahead and grab your seats, we're going to be getting into the fan. Or no, not fan time. The announcements. <laughs> Our first announcement is if you guys don't follow us on social media already, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore, and then you guys can stay up to date on all the latest. Next one is Bible Clubs. If you go to Dame Middle School, Bella Vista Middle School, Chaparral High School, Vista High School, or Dorothy McElhaney yes, Middle School, if you go to any of those schools, please come and uh DM us on BridgeYTeach underscore to find out more information about the Bible club that we have that meets at your campus. We bring a little mini Bridge Youth experience to your guys' school. So if you guys want to join, make sure you DM BridgeYTeach underscore or talk to me after service. We'll get you plugged in. We have a great time. And hey, if you guys want to give, there is no pressure in giving. It's just another way that we get to worship the Lord here at Bridge Youth. Amen. Uh, but if you would like to, you can do it online or at the back double doors. We have a giving station as well. Next one is our Bridge Christmas service. Who's excited for Christmas? I'm excited. All right. I hope you guys are uh, getting your Christmas list made. We have some always, bridge always. Christmas services. We have a Christmas Eve candlelight service, which is going to be happening, obviously, on Christmas Eve. There's a 4 p.m. and a 5.30 p.m. service on Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Day, our church is going to have an online service. So make sure that you join us on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day online and bring the whole families to both of those. Yes, sir. And if y'all show up on Wednesdays, that's only half the party. So we do have service on Sundays. We have connect groups. Hangs are at 11. Service is 1130. So come and hang out with us. And it's super sick. All right, guys. We're going to be getting into the middle week four with some worship. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up. Head and to the let's carpet go. And let's worship.
Okay, so on Monday night, this is gonna be so random, but just go with me for a second. On Monday night, I got to see one of my favorite bands ever over in LA. And it was a sold out show. There's maybe like 50,000 people there. And at some point during the show, I remember looking out into the crowd and seeing how many people were there. It was crazy. It was like it, was like it wasn't real almost because of how many people were there. Everyone's singing, everyone's dancing, everybody's you know, reciting every single word. They know every single line to every single song. And it was so crazy because that was an amazing experience that I got to have. And that was an amazing experience that everybody else in the room also got to have. But there's a difference between an experience and an encounter. See, after the show, none of the band members knew who I was. After the show, none of them met me. I didn't get to meet them. When they were performing, they never thought, man, I hope Wyatt really likes this song. At no point did they ever even think about me. And yet I was singing, I was dancing, I was enjoying myself. I got a few photos, a few videos, but that was just an experience that I had. It didn't change my life, it didn't transform me, it didn't, it didn't make me think of life in a whole new way, it didn't open up my eyes to a new perspective. And yet, when we're in a place like this, it's so easy for us to lose our emotions and for us to lose our attitude because maybe it's not, the, our, not our favorite band, maybe it's not our favorite song, but here's the thing, you have the opportunity to encounter the one true God tonight. You're, not just an opportunity to experience him, not just an opportunity to hear some songs and hear some words from, from our pastor, but it is a moment where you can encounter who Jesus is. Here's who Jesus is in case you never heard of this guy, you never knew him before. This is in, this is in Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. Someone say everything. In the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything, someone say everything, was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Bridge Youth, the God who made everything wants to encounter you tonight. The God who is outside of time and yet everywhere within time wants to meet you tonight. He wants to speak to your life tonight. He wants to transform your life tonight. He wants to change your perspective tonight. And so let's get out of this mindset of I just want to experience God and let's get into this mindset of I get to encounter God tonight. If you're ready to encounter God tonight, let's say, let's go. And I'm gonna bring up Lily really quick. She's gonna be praying for us right before our message. Lily, take it away. Lord, tonight, I pray that you fill this room with a fresh wind, God. I pray we begin to experience a new perspective on situations because of your spirit working through us, God. I pray that you let 2 Corinthians 4, 17 be on our heart, God, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, God. I pray we begin to live with your light flowing through us, God. Help us to keep our mind on things above and not on earthly things, God. Speak through Corey tonight and give us an open mind and heart to you and your word, God. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Hey, you guys can go head on back to your seats. As you guys do, find a few people and ask them this question. Are you ready for tonight?
good oh come on you guys you guys aren't good you guys are terrible apparently how you guys doing you guys good yeah. yeah see I like this I like this section over here how are you guys doing you guys good awesome <laughs> you do over here just I said like, how you guys doing you know just what, did you, what are you eating what'd you guys get did you bring enough for the whole class or <laughs> hey um can I just say uh we didn't have youth last week and am I the only one who felt like there was just a part of their week missing? Like I missed you guys so, so, so much. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, awesome. Great to hear. We were at the park. We had some fun. We played some flag football. My team won. No big deal. But then we played, we didn't just play football. We also played football. And my team lost at that. Wyatt's team dominated at that. Wyatt was potentially the, no, Wyatt wasn't the MVP. Wow, who was the MVP? Sadie, dude, our girl Sadie is a beast at soccer, bro. She is, Sadie, who are you going for in the World Cup? She like, she's a Brazil fan. Come on, America, isn't it? America's still in it, right? USA, USA. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, but if you, if you are here for the first time, maybe you're a guest, maybe you've never been to Bridge Youth. Normally, we're not all facing the middle. Usually, we're all facing that way towards the stage, but we are in a little series that we like to call The Middle, changing things up, switching things up. And if you are new, one thing that we're not changing up is how we welcome our guests. It never gets old for us. We like welcome our guests by saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah. Oh, you guys are a little extra loud tonight. So we love you. We back you. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. If you are new, come say hi. My name is Corey. This is my wife, Amber. Alongside her, some of our next-gen team, uh, Wyatt, Keno, who else on our next-gen team? I'm forgetting somebody. Jackson. Jackson's does school of ministry. Um, I'm just going to name our whole team now. So, <laughs> so we've got Jordan that sings, Laura was on drums, Marco was on guitar, forgetting somebody, man. Uh, our tech team in the business, Josiah, <laughs> it's Jeremy Dubin, there's Jackson, there's Jackson's wife, Rachel, LeBron James is sitting down front right here. That fool got a buzzer beater shot in his face the other night when we were up by 17 at one point. Pray for me. All my sports franchises are doing terrible right now, you guys. All right, so let's get into God's word because it's not about my sports franchises. It's about Jesus. Hey, who's ready to get into God's word tonight? 
Who liked what Wyatt said, man? I love that. I love that thought of encountering God. And, and here's what I would hate to see happen. I would hate to see any level of distraction uh, steal from us an encounter that we can have. Because this isn't about an experience. We're not just here to hang out. We're here to encounter God. For, so for the next few minutes, let's lean in. We can all hold the bathroom breaks until the end. We don't have to distract each other. We're going to have fun. I promise you this. If you've never been here, we think that church should be enjoyed, not endured. So we're going to laugh together. We're going to talk to each other back and forth when the preacher tells you to and not any other time. I'm just kidding. Um, and, and we're going to, we're, we're probably going to cry together. It's, it might be one of those nights, okay? So like, just look at your neighbor and say, will you cry with me? It's fun. Who's ever been to summer camp? Anyone ever been to summer camp? You know what's hilarious about summer camp is the way guys and girls, my boys, summer camp was dope. Like when we were hung out, hanging out at summer camp and, and I'm still wearing my WWJD bracelet, man, and like, boys have their moments at camps where, like, man, like, that was dope. Like, we won wreck, or, like, this was super fun. Or a lot of times boys will gauge how great summer camp was based on how injured they are. <laughs> They're like, whoa, <laughs> my, my left leg got amputated. Camp was dope, you know. Girls often, like, they, they, their, their measure and their gauge of how good summer camp was is how much we cried, <laughs> We cried so much. I get the privilege of traveling a little bit and preaching at camps every now and again. And all the time, the girls are like, Corey, thanks so much for preaching. We cried so much. I'm like, you guys are hilarious. We might cry tonight. We'll see. But, well, if I cry, will you cry? You're not going to leave me alone in the crying, all right? Let's just talk about this for a quick second. It has nothing to do with the message at all. What are some foolish movies that you cried to? None? Who said none? Lila, you never cried to a movie? You've never cried to a movie, ever. I'll tell you right now, right now, one of the movies I'm most embarrassed that I cried at, one of the most embarrassed that I cried at, not the most, but maybe one of the most, Monsters, Inc. The first Monsters, Inc. Bro, you're telling me you were emotional when, when Mike Wazowski put the door back together and you thought you were never going to see, see little Boo ever again and then his hands are all jacked up but the door's put back together and then Soli walks through and you don't even see the little girl. You just hear, kitty. And I was a wreck, bro, absolute wreck. You didn't cry during Lion King? Mufasa's dead? Bro, I, was, I had too many daddy issues to not cry at Lion King. Come on, somebody. Marley and me, they take two hours to make you fall in love with this dog. And then it's just, oh, yeah, dog, dead. Like, sorry if I just spoiled Marley and me for you, but that's what it is, man. It is tough, tough. You didn't cry at the end of Aladdin? Bro, when, G when Genie, Genie gets set free, he's like, I'm free. And then he's like, huh. oh, dude, I was, I was, I felt it right here, right here, man. Uh, so... We might cry tonight. So if I cry, you got to cry. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so stuck on crying. Hey, if you got a Bible, go to, uh, go to Luke. Um, anybody named Luke in the house? You got a whole book in the Bible named after you. Uh, go to Luke chapter 22 if you got a Bible. If you got a Bible, Luke chapter 22. We're going to be continuing in this, in this series entitled The Middle. Everybody say The Middle. So this series is all about how so much of life happens in the middle, in the middle of storms, in the middle of triumphs, in the middle of difficulties. We've talked about all different kinds of things, but so much of life happens in the middle. Where's the middle children at? You're a middle child. I've said this almost every week. God bless you. Love. Are you both middle children? 
So who's the who's so obviously Brooklyn's older, but you you got one older sibling than the two of you and one younger. Then you two are in the middle. Tough. Tough. Do you two? Tough. You know why it's tough? Because in your middle child, you have you don't have the best of both worlds. You have the worst of all worlds. <laughs> like your parents can't remember your birthday, let alone that you exist or your name. I remember when I was a kid, my parents would start yelling at me. My mom would start yelling at me, and she'd be like, Josh, Josh, Josh. I had two brothers named Josh. One was adopted, my best friend. One was my older brother, Josh. Charlie, Brittany, Mandy, Kirby. That's the dog's name, first off. Like, you can't even remember your own son's name. And you know what the one of the worst middles is? Um, middle seat on an airplane, for one. For two, you guys, anybody, ever, anybody used to ride, or still do ride the bus to school? You know, like, the bus has, like, the, the no, te, no Temecula kids ride the bus to school? Bro, I, like, legit, yeah, okay, a couple. They're like, no, we got Teslas. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> the bus? Ew. <laughs> Our cars are electric. We plug them in at home. <laughs> uh, when you had, like, the bench seat on the bus and then, like, you were in the middle of your two friends on the bench seat, that thing's designed for two people. You got, like, five on there, bro. It's wild. It's the worst. Um, tonight, somebody say tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about what do you do when you're caught in the middle of failure? Yes. Am I right? Anybody else just so pumped to talk about failure, but here's why we're going to talk about this. Because here's the, here's the reality. All of us, look at your neighbor, say, that means you. Look at your other neighbor, the one that you chose second, say, that definitely means you. All of us will fail. We're all going to fail. It's not a matter of if, it's when. All of us will fail. Romans 3.23 says, for all, somebody say, all for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. That's what Romans 3.23 says. What is it saying? It says, hey, all of us have failed. It's a level playing field. Really quick, I don't always do this, but let me just preach for a quick moment exclusively to the Christians. I love the fact that our faith community is made up of a lot of different types of people. And you might be here and go, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't even know if I believe in God. Can I say, you're welcome here. You don't have to believe to belong here. If you're in the room, you're family. And I often think about people who may not believe what we believe when I'm preaching, but let me talk to some Christians for a moment. Christian, can I just tell you, don't ever think that you're better than anybody else just because you're saved and you're a little bit further down the road of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus. Don't ever think you're better than somebody else because of that. So, like, just because you sin less doesn't mean you're sinless. And actually, you probably just sin a little bit less. So it doesn't make you sinless, right? So never think of yourself as better than somebody else because we all fail. We'll all fall. To think, you're, to think like as a Christian, oh, I, I sin a little bit less. Like, you know, my Spotify rap came out and I had two worship bands on my top five. <laughs> Tell you what. Like, I kind of, I'm not going to lie. Can I have a transparent moment? Almost every year my Spotify rap comes out, I have, like, I feel a little bit of conviction. It's like my top is, like, I don't always have, like, worship towards the top of my Spotify list. And I'm like, I feel, like, I feel convicted about that, right? And you're like, well, I, I sin a little bit less than anybody else. And you know what? 
you know what? That makes me better. You know what? You know what as Christians thinking that we sin a little bit less is like? You know what that's like? That would be like if you were standing next to Shaquille O'Neal and Shaquille O'Neal was like, hey, bro, I'm so much closer to the moon than you are. And you're like, all right, bro, like you're seven foot, but like, bro, the moon is way up there, dude. It's like, yeah, and I'm closer. Like, okay, buddy. Like, that's what it's like when Christians start thinking so highly of themselves because, oh, yeah, I sin less than you do. And it's like, yeah, but God's standard is so high up there. It's like, come on now. So don't ever start thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. And there's more people sitting in these sections than there has been in all of the middle. Shout out people that are right here. The lighting makes you look great. Also, you guys are probably mostly on the live stream of anybody because the camera's over here. But here's the point. <laughs> We're all going to fail. All of us. Everybody. So what do we do when we're in the middle of failure, what do we do? Well, here's your sermon in a sentence. If you, if you don't remember anything else, remember this right here. Write this down. If you're taking notes, uh, God loves you more. I love you more. Amber loves you more. Wyatt loves you more. Did I say God loves Jackson loves you more? Anybody else just love people more if they take notes in church? God bless you. If you're not raising your hand right now, I love you less. And if you know what, you're not taking notes in church. I just pray you don't get anything that you want for Christmas. None of it at all. Whatever you got on the Black Friday sale, that's all you're getting. You know what you're getting? Coal. <laughs> Write this down. Sermon in a sentence. Failing doesn't make you a failure. You're not forgotten. You're forgiven. I'm going to say that one more time. Failure doesn't make you a failure. You're not forgotten. You're forgiven. And I'll preach all by itself. I could stop right there and we could just end the night and we could pray and go home. And if that's all that you got out of tonight, it would have been worth your trip. But I am going to preach to you for the next four hours and 35 minutes on this topic in my dreams, on this topic of failure. All right, Luke chapter 22, verse number 54. Does anybody have, I mean, it's, it's rare anymore, but does anybody have a paper Bible? Who's got a paper Bible? I love paper Bibles. My Bible's like utterly falling apart. It's tough. But Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? If you don't have a paper Bible, maybe you got it on your phone. If you don't got it on your phone, that's all right. It's going to be on the Sky Bible. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. We're going to go all the way down to verse number 62. 54 to 62. Someone do the math. How many verses is that? 4,623. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a what? At a what? Remember that. Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight. And began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, first off, guys, don't ever pretty much call any woman a woman. What? Ladies, ladies, what are you doing if a boy walks up to you and goes, woman? <laughs> Sadie said, you getting smacked, bro. <laughs> Sadie, don't smack nobody. Don't, don't smack them. Don't do it. 
And, and also, if you notice, it said a servant girl. It was believed that this was a young little girl. And Peter, a grown man, goes, woman. It's like, Peter, you need to calm down, bro. He goes, woman, he said, I don't even know him. Oh, my gosh. Peter just denied even knowing Jesus. Jesus, who was his best friend. Jesus, who he just spent the last three and a half years hanging out with every single day. Jesus, the guy who he partnered with to change the world forever. This little girl around a campfire goes, aren't you one of Jesus' friends? And he goes, no, I don't even know him, woman. And then, and then it goes on, and it, it actually gets worse. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not. Again, a second time, Peter pretends like he doesn't even know Jesus, denies him altogether. Verse 59, about an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, which was important because not long before this, Jesus actually told Peter when Peter said, hey, I'll go. I would die with you, man. I'd never deny you. I'd never turn my back on you. And then Jesus goes, actually, man, you're going to? And you're going to do it three times before the rooster crows. And he's like, no way. And then in this moment, as soon as the rooster crows, verse 61, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. You ever have your parents, like, catch you doing something you're not supposed to be doing? And your mom, like, makes eye contact with you. It's like, like, like you're, you're, it's like dinner is in an hour, okay? Don't eat anything. You're like, okay, I won't. It's like, don't eat anything. You're like, okay. I'm going to save my appetite for this delicious dinner that's on its way. And then, like, you're in the kitchen grabbing some chips and, like, the crinkling of the bag. Your mom, you just, you know when someone's standing behind you and you can't see them, but you can feel them? Like, you, especially mom. And then, like, you just turn around with, like, chip dust on your face and make eye contact with your mom. And she's like, what are you doing? And you're like, definitely not eating chips, <laughs> you know. Dude, Peter just told three people, I don't even know him. The rooster crowed, and from across this courtyard, Peter turns, and he makes eye contact with Jesus. Oh, my gosh, how heartbreaking is that? Suddenly, the words flashed through Peter's mind. Quote, this is what Jesus told him. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Verse 62, the last verse. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, speak to us, Lord. I pray that tonight, God, that you would just uh, um, help us to see failure how you see it. Help us to have a healthy and a biblical and a godly perspective on it. Encourage our hearts. Anybody caught in the middle of failure, God, encourage them. God, even though the Raiders seem to fail every single week, thank you that we didn't fail this week and we beat the Seahawks, baby, in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Um. You don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you, ever, have you ever felt like a total failure? You guys remember, I said you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand, but you ever feel like a total failure? Yep, that's me. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> it's like every day, oh, I'm the worst. You guys remember uh, fail compilation videos? Like, <laughs> what does it say about us that we, that w <laughs> like, what does it say about us as humans? That something that went viral, something that was making money, something that was millions and millions and millions of views was us just watching other people collectively fail and like for like 10 minutes straight. It's like <laughs> the best is Scooter Kid fails. 
I don't know why it's so funny to me. There's nothing better than scooter kids like hurting themselves. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like, like we just watch these videos over. And have you ever felt like a total, total failure? I remember when um, I went to I went to Africa on a missions trip. Our church had the privilege of building a church in Africa, and while out there, we did a little bit of other types of ministries. Uh, and one of the things we did, we, we were traveling to some schools, and we were getting to preach in a few schools and do some stuff to help these uh, these schools out. And and one of the schools apparently uh, uh, they had like a pretty decent basketball team. And we were like, hey, like a few of us play basketball. Like any chance some of the students could like jump out of class and, and play, a, you know, play a game of basketball. And, you know, the principal is super cool. And the principal was like, yeah, yeah, we could probably pull that off. Totally. We're like, yeah, no big deal. Just, you know, any other, if the basketball team can come, we'll come out, we'll, we'll play. And this isn't like, this is like the like, like the outskirts of Africa. So the basketball court wasn't like an indoor nice air conditioning. It's literally like, like dirt, literally dirt, lumpy, like tough like terrain not stuff that we're used to type of like like basketball courts and so we're like yeah tell them to come out and they're like okay cool and we're up at the office and they're like hey they're they're outside ready um to play basketball with you guys you're like oh cool so awesome like we'll have some time to connect with some of the guys let's let's go we walk out of the office and the entire school is outside ready to watch us play basketball the whole school everybody and so we get out there and we realize these basketball courts are janky. The rims are crooked. Like, the, 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 they're not 10 foot. We're playing on dirt. We realize really quickly, like, they, they know what they're doing in this terrain. We do not. And when I tell you in front of God and all members of that school, these kids utterly embarrassed us. It was like 8,000 to 4. I scored all four of our points. But, you know, it's still 8,000 to four. And in front of the whole, we thought, oh, it's just going to be their team, our team. Just have a little fun connecting, whatever. No, they destroyed us. And we felt like such failures. Honestly, I'm going to be honest. I felt like we embarrassed America. I'm not going to lie. I felt like we embarrassed the great U.S. of A., you know. And they were like, is everybody in America suck this bad at basketball? It's like, first off, buddy, cut it out, you know. But have you ever felt like a total failure? Have you ever experienced failure? Well, what do we do in the middle of failure. Three things that we do. Number one, close the gap. Number one, close the gap. AKA, when you fail, I know this is going to be revolutionary for some people. This can be different. You've never thought about it this way. But when you fail, when you find yourself in the middle of failure, run to God, not from him. Run to God, not from him. And I know that this is a bit different of a concept because for so many of us, our understanding of God is that he's this, this upset, really mad, angry God that's like ready to punish you for all the ways in which you've messed up. But like the better way to look at it, I think, is that like if you're going to end up drowning, the best place to do that would be as close to the lifeguard tower as possible. Right? Like, like when you fail... Run to God. Close the gap. Remember, Peter followed at a distance. Let me paint this picture for you. Peter was what many called Jesus' best friend. Jesus had a sort of inner circle. He had the 12 disciples. We all know that. But then there are three, Peter, James, and John, who he was super close with. And it seemed like there was an even greater proximity and relationship between Jesus and Peter. It's like for three and a half years... Peter was like 
stuck at, 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 at Jesus' hip. Anybody have a little brother? So you know exactly what this is like. Like, I was a little brother. I followed my big brother. At my, I was a freshman in high school, and my brother was a senior in high school. I followed that dude everywhere, man, like everywhere. And, and, and Peter was following Jesus everywhere. It's like every single time he looked over his shoulder, there he was. Peter was never far from Jesus. There was a moment where, where Jesus had said some things that were pretty controversial, and the, the crowd that had been following him, the crowd thinned. It was actually when he instituted the concept of communion because historically communion was a really controversial moment in the Christian, in, in the Christian faith. And, and the crowd thinned. A lot of people were like, whoa, whoa, like I'm out. Like I'm not, I'm not doing this. And then, and then Jesus turns to his disciples and go, goes, what about you guys? Are you going to leave too? And Peter speaks up and he goes, Jesus, where would I go? You have the words of life. It's like, even when, when Jesus was almost like giving Peter an out, like, all right, dude, all these other people left. Are you going to leave too? And Jesus, uh, Peter's like, Jesus, like, ride or die, bro. Like, I'm not leaving you. I'm not, uh, not going to move an inch, man. I'm right here. I'm with you, dude. But now all of a sudden, when, when Jesus is arrested, when things are getting real, Peter followed at a distance. And of course, distance was the prerequisite to Peter's greatest failure. The distance came right before his greatest failure. Beware of distance. You know, I think that if, you, if you're distant from God, you're probably right about to step into the middle of failure. Do you feel distant from God? Can I tell you this? If you feel distant from God, can I tell you he's not the one who's created the distance and you could close the gap? What should you, what should you do in the middle of failure? You should close the gap. Often our greatest mistakes are made when we're the furthest from God. Often, hear me, our greatest mistakes are made when we are the furthest from God. So what do you do in the middle of failure? You come home. You come back to God. You, you close the gap. You run to him, not from. Corey, that is so backwards. That's so backwards. When I got an F on my report card, I didn't run home to mom and dad and go, hey, check out this baby. You know, like, I don't know about you. I don't know what your household looks like. I don't know what it looks like up in the Temecula homes. Apparently everybody drives Teslas to school. But how I grew up, where I grew up, an F on a report card meant a belt on my butt. <laughs> so, so I wasn't running home in the middle of failure to my parents. And I think somehow, someway, what we've done is we've sort of taken that sort of concept in fear of punishment, and we've copy and pasted it to our relationship with God. And I know, because I, I've been a youth pastor a long time, I know that that's like a lot of young people's perspective on God. I've failed, and God is like my dad or my mom who's just mad and ready to give me my punishment. But I want you to check out this verse. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, open your notes app. Write this down. I want you to memorize this verse. Scripture memory next week. A free Tesla for whoever can name this. That online YouTube, we're not like false advertising. I'm not giving a Tesla to anybody who memorizes this verse. I'll give you a sweet high five, all right? Sweet high five. I don't know, maybe I'll have a couple Starbucks gift cards in my pocket, and if you know this verse next week and you have it memorized, I'll have a little something, something. 
All right, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. You ready to have like your, your perspective about God completely shifted and changed right here? Check this out. So let us come boldly. Somebody say boldly. You know what that word boldly means? It's like with confidence. Let us come confidently. Let us, let us like as we walk boldly into the throne of our gracious God, our gracious God, it's like, like you're doing that McGregor walk all the way into the presence of God. Like all the way up. You're doing the gritty all the way up into the presence. Don't gritty into the presence of God. Have a little bit of reverence for the love of God. Um, but come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Whoa, this is not what I expected when I go to God in failure. I didn't expect to go to God and be able to go to him still boldly and courageously and confidently to my, and notice it says, gracious God, to the throne of our gracious God. And then as I do, in the middle of my failure, in the middle of my sin, at my rock bottom, having made mistakes, then what's going to happen? There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us. Like, this is so opposite of so many people's perspective about God. And I think that this is why so many people run from God instead of to him in the middle of failure. It says that Peter left and wept bitterly, but he should have stayed. But I do think it's okay if he wept bitterly. He just shouldn't have left, ran away and wept bitterly. He should have stayed, ran to Jesus and had a moment where he wept bitterly, which leads us straight to our next point. Number two, write this down. Turn around. Turn around. Look at your neighbor. Say, turn around. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit love. I don't know why, like all day as I was prepping my message and I was like kept getting to point two, I kept thinking about that song. Turn, turn around. In the middle of failure, you gotta turn around. Um, for a long time I walked to school, I would skate to school, and for a little while um, uh, I would walk to school with this girl. Calm down. This girl was my stepbrother's girlfriend, but my stepbrother lived in Kansas City, so I had to keep an eye out from, I'm serious. It was actually my step, it was literally my stepbrother's girlfriend, but my stepbrother lived in Kansas City, and so I had to, like, make sure none of the other junior high boys were trying to holler at her, you know? So I walked to school with her. Um, I was, like, growing up, I was, like, always, like, a skater kid, so, like, sometimes my pants were baggier than they should be. Sometimes my pants weren't around my waist. They were down here, you know, and I'm, like, sagging and like you know you do the weird walk to just try to keep your pants up and like on the walk to school one day this girl's name was Megan um on the walk to school the school bus drives by us which for us we knew what that meant we're late we are late I was late to school way too much so I'm like bro we're late let's go I didn't have my skateboard this day so we start running we start running to school like 90s kids sagging your pants and running doesn't work well. You're like doing this, you know? So I'm trying to run and she's like dipping out. And I'm like, all right, it's serious, but it's not that serious. Calm down, girl. I'll be late to school. You're the flash over here. Chill out. And she's running. But for some reason, as she keeps running, she's doing this. Like, okay, let me, this is what. And she keeps looking back at me. And I'm like, well, 
eyes forward, girl. What are you doing? Turn around. I'm like, look the other way. I especially started telling her to look the other way when I saw the trajectory of her run going straight for a stop sign. And I'm like, yo, Megan, turn around. Turn around. I'm serious. Turn around. Boom. She runs straight in to this stop sign. And when I tell you, this girl went from vertical to horizontal like that, bro, so quick. I run up there. <laughs> Yo, girl, you okay? And she's getting up, you know. Girls, why do you do this? Why? I don't understand. This girl, full speed, a full like 12 and a half miles per hour, went face first into a stop sign, went vertical to horizontal. She's getting up off the floor, like, and the whole time she's going, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm a girls, why do you do that? You're not okay. <laughs> it keeps you from crying. Does it? Sadie just said it keeps you from crying. Oh, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. I swear, like a girl, a girl could like chop her arm off. And she'd be like, I'm okay. She's like, I'm okay. Like just spurting blood everywhere. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. Too far, Corey. Move on. So she's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then she, she, she moves her hand. It's a huge gash right at her hairline. She's like, I'm good, I just need to catch my breath. She leans down like this, and it starts pouring blood. And that's when she starts freaking out. I take my, bro, I still remember the hoodie I was wearing, Marco. The utility, like skate brand, used to be dope. I was wearing a utility hoodie, and I was like, I gotta do it. So I took my, I like second guess, I took my hoodie off, I like put it on her head. I was like, hold that there tight, let's go. Get back to running, just look that way. I was screaming, turn around. Look at your neighbor, say, turn around. <laughs> like, what should you do when you're caught right in the middle of failure? You should, anybody do ROTC? About face, turn around. What is it, what do you mean turn around? You know, you know what it means to turn around? In scripture, they call that repentance. To repent. I know repent is a really spiritual word that's a bit Christianese that a lot of people don't like. And they hear someone go, repent. And you're like, ugh, I don't like that word. You know what repent means? This is, this is the picture we get for repentance. That's repentance. To be walking in a direction, to stop, and to turn around. What should you do when you're caught in the middle of failure? You're going this direction. You're going in a direction you shouldn't go. You're probably distancing yourself from God. You're probably going in the opposite direction of Jesus. You're going this way. You make a mistake. You fail and you fall. What should you do? You should repent. You should, a.k.a., turn around. Turn, can I tell you, some of you are heading in a direction where there's nothing for you down that road. Please, please hear the heart of your youth pastor. Stop and turn around. There's nothing down there for you. There's nothing. The enemy's trying to trick you into getting you to keep on walking down that road where there's nothing but death and destruction. The enemy's trying to rob you of the full, amazing, adventurous, phenomenal life that God has planned for you with some really stupid stuff. And what should you do? You should stop and you should turn around, a.k.a. you should repent. It says that Peter wept bitterly. Peter wept bitterly. And I actually think that that's okay. Like, I actually think that that's okay. I, I've had a few moments in my life where, I, where I've let down some of my best friends, and that hurts. But imagine letting down the bestest of best friends. Jesus, the bestest of best friends. 
was Peter's best friend. And Peter pretended like he didn't even know the guy in Jesus' greatest moment of need. Oh, I think I probably would have wept bitterly as well. And here's what I think. I actually think, I know that this isn't that popular. I know that this isn't like, I'm not going to preach this part. And people will be like, yes, uh-huh, I'm so pumped. So glad I came to church tonight. Oh, my gosh, this is phenomenal. But sometimes preaching like this needs to be preached. I think that we should actually be broken over our sins sometimes. I think we should have a little bit of brokenness over our sin. I don't think we should sit in it forever. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. But I, I think we should be broken over our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says this. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance, that 180 turn. Godly sorrow uh, brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. The grief, that heartbrokenness and sorrow should lead us to repentance. Repentance is to turn around. See, we should be broken of our, over our sin. Can I tell you, we should not, somebody say not. We should not celebrate our sin. Dude, so much of the world celebrates sin. They're stoked on sin. They're excited about sin. Which is crazy because you know what the Bible says about sin? The Bible says, here's a little Bible trivia. Some, often there's a girl sitting right over here. She's not over there tonight. She's like the Bible trivia queen. Bible trivia. The Bible says, is it you, Sadie? Sadie, what don't you do, girl? Man. The Bible says the wages of sin is? The wages of sin is death. But we're so casual about sin. We carry our sin so casually. Can I ask you this? Um, what else in life is deadly that we carry casually? Ain't nobody here. We get rattlesnakes around here at the church sometimes. We get rattlesnakes. Y'all didn't hear me. We get rattlesnakes here at the church sometimes. Once before we got our new exterminator like six years ago, once our cleaning lady was here in this room right now, right there, right by where you girls are sitting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's there right now. Oh, my gosh. No. But she was literally in this room, and she's vacuuming. She had her headphones on, and she hit a rattlesnake with the vacuum. It was six years ago. Six years ago. Ever since we got the new exterminator, they rock. They're awesome. There hasn't been a single one in the building, not once. One time, this has nothing to do, actually, Josiah and Caleb's dad, like my first week working here at the office, he walks into my office holding a rattlesnake. Literally, the thing's going, the rattle's going, he's holding it by the tail. It's moving around. He's holding a rattlesnake. I start freaking out, and he, like the boy scout that he is, goes, ha, don't worry, dude. I chopped off the head. And as he's holding it, like I look down and the head's gone and it's just like bleeding on the carpet in the offices. I'm like, oh my God, that's the most, that's the most Travis Turner thing you could possibly do. I swear, bro, Travis, man, that guy. Tra if the zombie apocalypse happened right now, Travis is the one you want in your team, bro. I'm telling you. The next question he asked me is, um, should we take it over to Amber's office and scare her with it? To which I said, Absolutely, we should. So, Amber filed for divorce that night. <laughs> Dude, like, you wouldn't just handle a rattlesnake. Why? Because it's deadly. You wouldn't casually just go grab him. No. Why? Because it's deadly. So is sin. Anybody else just terrified of spiders? Anybody else get black widows around their house? 
Bro, I get so many black widows around. Like every time I take out the, any, where's, my, where's my boys at? Where's my gentleman at that you have to take the trash cans down to the curb? Bro, I got to take the trash, downs, trash cans down to the church. Bro, there's so many black widows. Why are you always on my trash can? There's everything else in the whole world for you to be on. You're 15, like 57 of you are on my trash can, bro. Why? Like literally every time I take the, the trash out, I have to go out there and wage war. I'm like waging war against these black widows. You want to know something really interesting about, about black widows? Um, like if you don't already know, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to all things like nature and animals. Like I love Animal Planet. I love Discovery Channel. I love it all. I'm super nerdy about it. I love sharks. Love sharks. Um, you know something really interesting about black widows? You know when threatened, like a threatened bite, a defensive bite, when a black widow bites, did you know it only actually injects venom about 30% of the time? Isn't that crazy? So if you get bit by a black widow, you actually have 70% chance that it was what they call a dry bite. There's no venom injected because it's just trying to warn you, yo, don't mess with me, right? That's crazy. So actually, like, let's all go home and just grab the black widows and play with them, right? Look at like 70%, guy. Bro, that's like you have over double percent chance that if it bites. And did you actually know the actual bite of a black widow sometimes is completely painless and people don't even know that they've been bit by a black widow until the venom begins to react and kick in. Because the actual bite of a black widow isn't really that painful. So 70% chance that the bite wouldn't. So, bro, they're the homie. They're cool. <laughs> Let's all go home and just play. Like, first off, that's you, weirdo, right? Like, you're the kid from Stranger Things. Like, what's wrong with you? No, right, but even with a 70% chance that you would not be harmed, you're still not going to go do that. Why? Because there's that potential. Well, and you know that black widows, they really aren't deadly deadly. Like very few people die of black widow bites, but you're still not going to mess. I'm definitely not going to mess with these things. I'm going to kill them on sight. Like they're dead on sight. But we're so flippant with our sin, and the wages of sin is death. So what should you do? You should turn around. Here's what I want to say about sin. What should you do with sin in the middle of failure? What we do is we don't treat it too lightly, but we don't sulk in it too long. I do think that Peter should have wept bitterly. But he shouldn't have ran from Jesus and gone and wept bitterly. He should have ran to Jesus and had a moment where he's like, dude, I'm so brokenhearted that I failed like that. And then he should have experienced what Hebrews 4.16 says is, well, there, okay, now that you've run to me, you've had your moment of, of sorrowful repentance, of brokenhearted repentance. Okay, now time for me to give you mercy and show you grace and help you. Because that's what Hebrews 4.16, our free Starbucks next week verse says, and that's what you'll receive. I think that we shouldn't treat it too lightly, but we shouldn't sulk in it too long. Amen? All right, we turn around. We repent of our sins. My last point is the band heads up. Number three, remember to remember. Remember to remember, to remember what? So it's this crazy moment, right? Peter denies Jesus. Peter denies he even knows Jesus. His best friend, the dude he's been through it with, his ride or die, denies Jesus. The last moment he sees Jesus, Jesus, after this, you know what happens? Jesus goes, is crucified, he's murdered, and he dies. And that's the last time that he saw Jesus. 
eye to eye and face to face, runs away weeping bitterly. Talk about rock bottom. Talk about failure. But then, three days later, Jesus resurrects from the dead with the help of nobody and nothing else. And, and very interestingly, there are a few ladies who show up to the tomb. Shout out to the ladies, which actually that speaks to how the Bible values women. We're the only faith group on the entire planet and in the history of humanity that is primarily women. It's about 60% women made up in the Christian faith and Christian church. Isn't that amazing? Boys, the odds are ever in your favor. And these ladies, they, they go to the tomb and they walk in and, and, they, and they see that Jesus' body isn't there. They're like, whoa, whoa. And they think somebody might have stole Jesus' body. What's going on? And, and then they turn around, they walk out of the tomb, and then there's a dude standing there. And scripture actually says, like, we know that that guy's Jesus. But scripture says that the ladies thought that he was the gardener. <laughs> They're like, oh, hey, are you mowing the grass? It's like, not really. <laughs> and, then, and then the gardener goes, Hey, Mary. And though she didn't recognize him because he's in his resurrected body, she, she recognized Jesus' voice. And she goes, oh, my gosh, it's you, Jesus. And then Jesus says something so interesting. Look at this. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 7. Having found the tomb empty and Jesus resurrected, Jesus tells these women, now go tell the disciples including Peter. Mark chapter 16, verse 7, go tell the disciples, including Peter. Why did Jesus say including Peter? Hit rewind on the VHS here, because this is the Bible. It was definitely recorded on VHS. DVDs weren't, Blu-rays weren't around yet. We weren't, you guys don't even watch DVDs or Blu-rays anymore. Uh, they weren't streaming things yet. You didn't just go on Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and Peacock and, oh, my gosh, where do the sus subscriptions end? Hit rewind for a moment. Go back a few chapters. Remember, remember, when was the last time that Peter saw Jesus? Hey, Forget you, forget you, forget you. I don't know him. I don't know this guy. I don't know who he is. I've never met him. I have no idea who he is. And then the rooster crows and he looks over and Jesus is looking straight at him. And then Peter's heart breaks into a million pieces as he did exactly what it is that Jesus said he was going to do. And the thing that he swore that he wouldn't do. And what does he then do? He turns around and he runs away weeping bitterly. Jesus then goes and gets crucified, dies the most painful death possible, is laying in a grave. And Peter thinks that the last time he'll ever see his friend is the moment that he broke his heart and denied that he even knew him. But Jesus comes back and he says, hey. Go tell the disciples, including Peter. Why including Peter? Because Peter definitely was excluding himself. Remember to remember what, Corey? Right in the middle of your failure, remember to remember that we serve a gracious and forgiving God. Remember to remember that in the middle of your failures, I want you right now, I know this is like the most uncomfortable thing a pastor might ever ask you to do. But right now, in your own heart and in your no own mind, I want you to begin to think about your worst failure. The, like the deepest, darkest secret that nobody else knows about. 
Nobody else knows it. And you might have been hiding this thing for years. You are, you are like, you feel ashamed and embarrassed about this thing. Can I tell you, God knows. God sees that. You can't hide anything from God. And God, seeing that thing, knowing that thing, realizing that thing, having full awareness of what it is that you did, He includes you. He doesn't exclude you. He doesn't kick you off the team. This is one of the craziest things to me. Um, one of the most heartbreaking things to me of young people who don't understand the gospel, who don't understand God, who don't understand Jesus. I'll have moments where like bridge youth is amazing things are happening and there's people who don't know God coming to church and they're getting saved and they surrender their heart to Jesus. They give their life to Jesus and they're coming, they're on fire for God. They start serving him. They're bringing friends. They're digging into the Bible. They're growing in their faith. And then three, four, five months later, they just disappear. We don't see them for a long time. And then we're, we're at the mall or we're at Chipotle or we're at a coffee shop and we run into them. We go, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. Like, we miss you. You were so on fire for God. Like, where have you been? And can I tell you, one of the most, one of the most common responses we get is, oh, you know, like, I, I tried the whole God thing. But I kind of fell back into some of my old ways, and I messed up, and I slipped up. And, you know, before I went to church, I was going to these parties all the time, and and I hadn't gone to one in four, five, six months. And I kind of just randomly found myself at one again. And I, I slipped up and I messed up. And I fell back into sin. And so, you know, I tried the God thing. And because I messed up, I, I, you know, I got cut from the team. I tell you, that's not how God works. Can I tell you, that's not how God works. That's not how failure works, not biblically. Failure works like this. Jesus' closest friend completely denied him, completely shut him out, pretended like he didn't even know him. He failed in the worst way that somebody could fail. And he did it in the face of Jesus, looking right at him. And then Jesus comes back and says, hey, tell all my disciples. And Peter is still a disciple. Make sure you tell him. Make sure to include Peter in on it. Peter's probably not with the other 10 still because at this point, Judas is gone. There's 11 disciples left and, 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 and Peter's probably not even with the 10. So if you have to go out and find him, go find him and tell him he's included. He's not excluded. Young person, you've made so many mistakes and you think you're excluded. You think God's kicked you out. You think God's cut you from the team. You think that you're completely outside of God's love and grace and mercy. Can I tell you, you couldn't be more wrong. What do you do in the middle of failure? You remember to remember. Remember to remember what? Romans 5.20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Well, that's not encouraging at all. <laughs> no, that's just saying, you see the moon? It's really high up there, huh? You can't get there, huh? Nah, that's God's law. You can't get there on our own. We can't. But now check this out. But people sinned more and more. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. There's another version that said, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Remember that. Remember that God doesn't run out of grace. God, next time you're at the beach, go look at the ocean and go, man, that doesn't compare to how much God's grace is over my life. Remember to remember this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. 
For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What does that mean? God was in Christ, like, throwing a lasso out, going, come here. Like, like turn around. Come to, like, be close to me. I want you near. I want you far. And check this out. This is amazing. This, I remember the first time I read this part of this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.19. It completely changed. Completely, completely changed how I viewed God. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. Did you hear that? God was in Christ and he's no longer counting people's sins against them. If you have Jesus in your life, if you've accepted Jesus, he's not counting your mistakes against you. He's not holding your failures against you. The old is gone. The new has come. That doesn't mean that you continue to sin. Oh, okay, in that case, I'm going to sin all I want. No, no. Paul says then you've completely missed the point. You can, no, you turn around. You repent for sure. But when you fail, you, get remind, you remember to remember, oh, God doesn't hold my sins against me. Thank you, God, for your grace. Be, remember, be reminded, remember to remember that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not forgotten. You're forgiven. We serve a gracious, loving, forgiving God, and you're not cut from the team. Is anybody else thankful for that? Is anybody else thankful for a loving, merciful God? As I close, remember this. Failing doesn't make you a failure. You're not forgotten. You're forgiven. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Let's pray. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you in the middle of our failure. We can respond to you and look to you. Thank you that in the middle of making the biggest mistakes, you're still loving and gracious and merciful. We thank you for that, God. We praise you for that. God, I pray if there's anybody in this room right now, in this moment, who doesn't know you, who doesn't have a relationship with you, maybe a few even think that their mistakes and their failures have put them on the outskirts and on the outside of your love and grace. God, I pray our hearts would be open to receive your forgiveness, to receive your grace, to be reminded that like Peter, we're not forgotten, we're forgiven. And God, just because we failed, it doesn't mean we're a failure. That's not our identity. That's not who we are. That's not who you call us. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, if you're in this place and, and you would say, you know what, Corey, that is me. I have failed. I've made some mistakes. And, and I want that forgiveness that you're talking about. I want that mercy and that grace that you're talking about. Like Peter, I want to be included, not excluded. Can I tell you, God wants to include you in his family. And you can have a moment to step into that right now. And I'm going to ask you to respond in just a moment in a simple way. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I'm just going to ask you to throw your hand up and put it right back down. And, and I only ask that you respond like that because I think when we respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, God solidifies it in our, in our hearts and our lives. And it's kind of like the starting line to something brand new. So if that's you, maybe you've made some mistakes, maybe you failed. In this moment right now, give your life to Jesus. Ask him to come in, forgive you. And I promise you this, he will. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's your moment. Here's your time. When I get to three, you just throw your hand up, put it right back down. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Amazing. 
amazing. Best decision you could ever make with your life. I promise you that. So proud of you. So proud of you. Right now, the forgiveness of God is washing over you. It's poured out freely for you because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we start this journey with prayer. It's words that we say with our mouth, that we believe in our heart. And we don't pray alone because we're a family here at the bridge. And so we're all going to pray this together. But what I'm going to ask is that you actually pray this out loud. I'm going to give you the words, but that you would pray this out loud. Just wrap your heart around these words. Would you repeat these simple words right after me? Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. I know that I've failed, but I know that you're faithful. And Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you my failures, I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for receiving me, and thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family? Hey, that's the best decision you can make with your life. It's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning, and we want to walk the next steps out with you. And we want to do that with something we call the next seven days. And so if you just DM us the words next seven to our Instagram, what we're going to do is we're going to send you seven videos that will help you in moving forward in your faith journey. Please help, let, us, let us get these to you. I promise they'll bless you. If you don't have Instagram, come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Amber. Come talk to one of our team members. We'll find another way to get them to you. One more time, can we welcome people into God's family? All right, so can we, can we have a kind of cool moment together? I've done this before at a camp, and I don't know that I've ever done this at, at Bridge Youth before. But in the chair underneath you, there's, there's a piece of paper, and there's some pens spread out all over the place. You're going to use those in just a moment. Don't, don't worry about them just yet. Don't start writing anything down on them just yet. So um, something amazing that Jesus did. Jesus put himself right in the middle of failure. Jesus never failed. Hear me. Hear me. Jesus never failed, but he put himself right in the middle of failure. Did you know that when Jesus was crucified, he wasn't crucified alone? You know that there was actually someone on his left and someone on his right. There was a criminal on the left and the right of him when he was crucified. So that means that Jesus was crucified in the middle. In the middle of two people who had failed so much that they were being executed for their failures. And these two criminals on Jesus' left and right responded to their failure very differently. And I think in a lot of ways, it kind of mirrors the way in which we will all respond to our failures. Here's what it says. It says it in Luke chapter 22, verse number 32. It says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with Jesus. When they came to the place called the Skull, it's also known as Golgotha, 
When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left, which means that Jesus was in the... Verse number 39 says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. Already you kind of see this like pompous, arrogant, prideful, bitter heart as he scoffs at Jesus. And he says this, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and save us too while you're at it. Verse 40, but the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve, here's, hear his words, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then this guy looks at Jesus and says these really famous words. He says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Two men hanging on crosses for their failures with Jesus in the middle. And they, they responded in almost polar opposite ways. How will you respond? Will you be like the one thief who arrogantly and bitterly scoffs and orients their heart away from the man that was in the middle, the man that in that moment, the, the, the failures that caused these two guys to be put on these crosses, Jesus was paying for those failures on that cross in the middle. Will you be like the one who rejects it, denies it, and with bitter and anger and pride says, all right, bro, you're not gonna prove yourself to me? Then let's just all die here together. Or will you be like the humble one who says, I deserve, I've, I've made mistakes and have humility and a repentive heart. Because we're all gonna respond to our failures. We're all, gonna, we're all gonna be in the middle of failure. How will you respond? So Corey, why am I holding a piece of paper? Because I'm gonna ask you to do something kind of wild, kind of, kind of crazy and kind of difficult and something that might take some courage. This isn't a moment for you and your friends sitting next to you. This isn't a moment for you and me as your pastor. This isn't a moment for you and the band. This is a moment between you and God. And I want you to think for a moment about that failure that you've been holding on to. Maybe it's a failure that you're still failing at right now. You're still struggling with this thing. And I want you to write that thing down on this piece of paper. No one's gonna see it. You don't even, if you need to like write a letter, like just one letter or something so people don't know what it is, just write it down. There should be pens around you if you need to borrow a pen. Cool, if you can't seem to find a pen, I want you to just fold the paper in half knowing what that thing is. Just knowing what that thing is. God, I pray we'd have humility in our hearts right now, God. I pray this moment, God, as we're writing these things down, it's like our moment of repentance. This is our way of 180 turning around to walk away from these things. Once you have it written down, just fold that paper in half. Maybe fold it again. If you can fold it again, fold it again. Don't worry about what your friend's doing next to you. Don't worry about 
Don't worry about what they're writing. This is a moment between, it's like one of those things, it's a public setting, but a private moment. We're having this sort of private moment right there, but in a moment, we're gonna have a corporate moment. How are we doing? We have, are we, are we good? We have it written down, are your papers folded up? Are we done, we good? All right, if you have your thing written down, why don't you just, let, let me see it. Just hold it above your head for a second. All right. And I want you to take that thing. I want you to rip that paper in half. Just rip the paper in half. All right, put those two pieces of paper together. Now rip that in half if you can. Now put those again. Now just like keep ripping them in half until like you know when the paper is too thick and you can't rip it in half no more. Like that many times, just rip it in half. All right, you got them? I want you to hold that in your hand. Now just don't walk up here yet, but just stand to your feet. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a sort of corporate prayer of repentance. You know, a, a, a God, here's that failure. Here's that thing that I've messed up in. Here's that thing that I've struggled with. Here's that thing that I kind of keep messing up with and I can't seem to shake it. God, but I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to pray that sort of prayer of repentance. Now here comes the sort of courageous part. And if you're like the person who's like, I want to be like the, the thief that oriented his heart towards the middle. And God, I want your forgiveness. Jesus, I want you to include me and to remember me. I want to turn around from this thing. I want to walk away from it. I want to leave this thing in my past and receive forgiveness. When I get to amen, I want you to just walk to the middle and just somewhere on this carpet, you could just throw your paper right down on the carpet. And what we're going to do is we're just going to build a mountain of failures that we're leaving at the feet of Jesus. You'll have to kind of watch out for some lights. Don't push Jordan over. She's super fragile. And then in a moment, right after that, after you lay this, just find a place to begin to worship. I'm going to pray one more time and then we're going to worship. Here comes a prayer. As soon as I say amen, if that's you, if it's not you, whatever, fine. Stay at your seat. Don't distract anybody. But if that's you, come bring it to the middle. You hold that thing in your hand, right in your hand. Maybe squeeze it as hard as you've been holding on to it because you're about to let it go. God, I pray in Jesus' name that every single failure that we're about to let go of, it's gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on now, bring those things to the middle. After you've laid them there, just move aside. Let, some, let the other people around you get to the middle. Amen. Amen. Now just find a spot where you can worship. see this as you guys circle up as you guys circle up for worship can you guys all see this if you still need to bring yours that's fine do, do what you got to do you're not going to distract me can you guys all see this 
I'm gonna I'm gonna do something like ridiculous and stupid and embarrassing. All right. So I'm gonna do. Okay. I'm gonna hold up, guys. Guys, seriously. I'm gonna I I ripped mine apart and I threw it down, but I kind of want it back. I'm gonna uh I think that's mine. That I think that that might be mine. I would like dare you. I would dare you to try after to come find yours and piece it back together. Like, you can't. Like, you guys did a really good job of ripping these things up. Now, in this moment, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do what Peter should have done. Instead of having a moment like this, this is a, like a sorrowful, repentant moment of God. Like, here are my ashes, and here are my failures, and here is my... my I'm not supposed to say crap when I preach. Here's my crap. Here's all of that stuff, and I'm going to lay it at your feet. But instead of running away to weep bitterly, I'm going to have a moment with you where I surrender. Do me a favor. Close your eyes. Forget you're in a crowded room. If you're comfortable, just lift your hands right now. Lift your hands in the presence of God. God, I pray your forgiveness is washing over, that your grace is covering a multitude of sin. God, I pray that as we stand with, with a mountain of failures right in the middle of us, we know this, that as they sit right here, they're sitting at the foot of the cross where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. We receive your forgiveness. We run to you. We don't run from you. We repent, God. We turn around. We leave all of that behind us. We surrender completely holy to you, right in the middle of our failure, we surrender to you. We thank you for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. We worship you. Worship you. Right there, just begin to worship you. God, we worship you. We honor you. We praise you.
Cause your grace holds the ground And your grace holds me now Your grace holds me now Is anybody else thankful for God's grace? For God's forgiveness, for God's mercy That he pours out freely As I'm worshiping right now and we're singing that part Look where my chains are now. I'm like staring at the middle and all this stuff. And like, God, I pray that for you, some young people. Like, I pray that for some, like, this is your enough is enough moment. This is your like, I, enough is enough. Like, I, I've held on to this long enough. I've, I've, I've wrapped my heart around this failure long enough. I've let this have control over me long enough. But then I, I, I thought of some people who who are thinking, okay, well, you know, Corey, I, I, I tore up the paper and I brought it to the middle and this was a genuine moment for me and I'm laying this thing down. But what do I do if I fail again? What if I do, if, what do I do if I, if I fall again? And what if what I fail at is the same thing I brought to the middle and, and I ripped up and I crumpled up and I put at the feet of Jesus? Then what do I do? You get up. You get up. You keep moving forward. You know what scripture says? It says that a righteous person falls seven times, but he gets back up. Whoa, 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 wait. A righteous person, which righteous would mean perfect, because you know that you're righteous. You know that you're the righteousness of God. No, I'm not, because I'm not perfect. Righteousness isn't based on you. It's placed on you. Jesus placed his righteousness on you, and his perfection now rests on you. So you know what you do? You get up. Look at your neighbor in their face and say, get up. It wasn't high pitch enough. Look at your other neighbor and say, get up. And can I tell you, I'm intentionally having a moment of levity here because you know what comes after remorseful, remorseful, sorrowful repentance? You know what comes next? You know what comes next? Laughter and joy and victory and freedom because whom the sun sets free is free indeed we have our moment but we don't live in it check this out and then we're going to worship God with one more song and we're going to worship in victory and freedom and joy did you know that our all-knowing God just doesn't know one thing I searched the scriptures and there's one thing he doesn't know it's whatever you just wrote on this piece of paper you know why? Because you came and you said, Jesus, would you cover this thing? Would you forgive me of this? And it says that when we confess our sins to the Father, he's faithful and just to forgive. And that he chooses to remember our sins no more. So this thing that you just wrote down, you know when, when later on tonight you go home and you're laying down and you're feeling guilty about that thing and then you go and remind God, God, you know the thing that I wrote down earlier that I was saying sorry for? I just want to say sorry for it again. And God's like, I don't know what, huh? What, what did you write down? Because our all-knowing God chooses to no longer remember our sins and he doesn't count our sins against us. So what does that mean? You live in freedom. What if I fail again? What do you do? What do you do? Get up! You are going to remember that. You know what I love? You know, you know why I love being ridiculous sometimes, Amber? Amber tells me all the time. She'll all the time look at me and go, David, married man, 
you're gonna start getting this. Your wife's gonna look at you every once in a while because I know you, you're my boy, you're like a brother of mine. She's gonna look at you and go, bro, you're ridiculous. <laughs> you know you're ridiculous sometimes. You know, she's probably already doing this. You're ridiculous. You know why I love being ridiculous sometimes? Because what's gonna happen is that you might fail again. Oh, dare I say, you will fail again. I pray that the, that the time that you fail to the next time you fail, that that time gets more longer and longer and longer and your failures become less and less and less as God gives you strength. But the next time that you fail and you go, what am I gonna do? Oh, I feel so bad. I'm like Peter, weeping bitterly. But what do I do? What do I do? You're gonna hear my voice go, get up. <laughs> then you're gonna get up and you're gonna do this because this is what I do now. Instead of sitting down on my face, just weeping, God, poor me, I'm so bad, I'm scum, I'm literally scum. I go, God, I'm so brokenhearted that I messed up again. And then you know what I do? I get up and I go, God, thank you for your, instead of focusing on my failure, I direct my attention to his faithfulness and I go, God, Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that your love doesn't run out on me. Thank you that you include me, you don't exclude me. Thank you, God, that when I fall, you help me get back up. One more time, just in freedom, in victory, would you just lift your hands all over this place as I pray a prayer of freedom over you. God, freedom in this place, victory. In this place, God, we've had our moment where our hearts break over the things we wrote on these papers. And we've, we've had sorrowful remorse and repentance. And God, we are sorry. We hate those things. But now we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and the cross that in the middle of our failures, you, go, you went ahead and planted yourself in the middle of that failure. And you paid the price that we couldn't. So now in victory, we get up and we worship you and we praise you and we honor you because you are so, so good. You are the risen Messiah. You are forgiving Father. And as we approach your throne of grace with boldness, we receive your mercy and your love and your grace and your restoration and your healing right now in Jesus' name. And we worship you. We worship you, God. You're so good. You gave your life for mine. Nailed to the cross, you crucified. All my sin and shame, it was washed by your mercy. You are the treasure I find, my reason for living. So let my life become an offering to the one who is worthy. Come on, we sing all praise. Jesus Christ, High King of Heaven, my King forever. Sing, you storm the gates, and you storm the gates of my heart. 
righteous because of what Jesus did. That despite our failures, we are counted righteous because of what Jesus did. I want you to remember that. And I want you to know that Bridge Youth, we are students that get back up. We have reverence for God. We have reverence for those moments of brokenness. We are broken when we sin because we know it hurts the heart of God. But because of what Jesus did, we can get back up. And we are the youth group that's not going to 
fail and then walk away from church and come back later in life. We are the youth group that is going to live all the days of our life under Jesus and what he did for us. We are not going to walk away. That is my heart and that is what I know about you. This generation, there is hope. We are the ones that are going to continue to walk. We're not going to walk away. We're going to stay strong in the Lord, and I want to encourage you in that. And anyone who chose to make Jesus the direction of their life, to put what he did over your life, to trust him with your life, we just want to say that is the greatest decision that you could have ever made. Let's just give it up for everybody that made that decision tonight. And we want you to know, Bridget, we do life together. We do not do life alone. So DM us next seven to our Instagram. We will have leaders hanging out after. If you need to get those videos another way, if you need prayer, if you need anything, please know that our team is waiting to just have a conversation with you. Because at Bridge Youth, we do life together. And we love you. All right, we will see you on Sunday for Connect Groups. Have a great week.